going through some of the stories, some of the Christmas stories that are out there, and there's just so many, so many wonderful, beautiful, heartwarming, touching stories about Christmas. Um, and it was really hard. I wanted to share one of them, and it was really hard to really decide on which one. Um, even the song, um, um, Oh Holy Night, that, if you look at the background of that story, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I think I posted uh, it up on, on my personal Facebook page, um, a story behind that, and that's, what an amazing story. But what I decided on is, is well, the best story I ever heard, um, Christmas story I ever heard is, is, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, it's called um, The Christmas Truce. Um, beautiful story, and um, if you haven't heard it, I want to just take a minute to share it with you. Um, again, this is a story that I've, when I, the first time I heard it, it touched me, and hopefully as I deliver it to you, it'll touch you too. It'll, you know, you'll see what's going on here. Um, the, the story goes, uh, World War I had begun uh, only months before, and the fighting on the Western Front between the Germans and the Allies was very fierce. Hope for a quick war was gone. Both armies knew they would be bitter enemies for years. A system of trenches separated the two sides, with the area in between regarded as no man's land. But on Christmas Eve, an unofficial truce began. German soldiers began singing Silent Night in German, and men on the other side of the Great Divide joined along in English. Soldiers who hours had been attempting to kill one another were now singing about As the night and the singing continued, the soldiers emerged out of the trenches to join one another in no man's land, where they exchanged gifts, shared in burial services, and played soccer together. An estimated 100,000 soldiers along the Western Front laid down their weapons all that night and the next day. In subsequent years, the commanders would demand that they continue fighting on Christmas Day, that, that they continue fighting on Christmas Day. But in this one sacred interlude in 1914, a reminder of the incarnation caused a ceasefire. Even if for a brief moment, there was peace on earth and goodwill on earth. This true story reveals how Jesus is the common thread that unites all believers, regardless of the background, regardless of the denomination, the birth of Jesus is the common thread that unites us together. You see, one of the great beauties of the gospel is the way that it welcomes all believers, regardless of race, nationality, language, social status, or background, into one Christian family. On this Christmas Eve, we're going to be spending some time looking into the events surrounding Jesus' birth. First, we'll see it through the perspective of Mary and Joseph. Then I'm going to try to share with you the significance of his birth. And lastly, I'll explain why Jesus was God's greatest gift to mankind. So before we begin with today's passage, let's take a moment and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we do. We're so thankful for this day you've given us, reminding us of the birth of your glorious Son, the Son who would, 30 plus years later, would die for our sins. But now as we remember this glorious, miraculous event, we're just so thankful that it happened. Lord, and so I ask now as we get into your word, as we get into the study, Lord, that you speak to us, that we may understand deeper, better, what tomorrow Christmas Day represents and why we celebrate it, Lord. Soften our hearts and our minds, Lord. Just be able to receive your word. Fill us with your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're going to be in Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly, in cloth and laid them in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in a cloth, laying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them, he returned, he returned to heaven and returned to heaven. The, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lighting in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just, just as they had been told. So I want to begin this morning by having us first look at the birth of Jesus through, the, through, different, through two different perspectives. Through the eyes of Joseph, and through the eyes of Mary. 
Now let's begin by looking at first, looking at this story through the eyes of Joseph. Now I remember when my firstborn was born, my oldest was born, man, it was, it was nerve wracking. I remember feeling um, just really anxious because I, I didn't know how to be a dad. I, I didn't know how to let, I mean, I, I already had problems being a husband. You know, I, I knew that I was gonna, it was gonna be difficult being a dad because again, I didn't have a good example. So when we went to the hospital, you know, it's for Robin to, to deliver, it was, it was quite an event. Those of you who are fathers, you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, here in this story, we see Joseph. I want to take a moment and talk about Joseph. You know, and maybe, maybe we can get an idea of what he was experiencing when his firstborn, when, during the birth of his firstborn. Now, once Joseph had accepted God's purpose in his life, the role as Jesus' adopted father, once he took it, once he accepted it, he took it seriously by living obediently, responsibly, and audaciously. Despite the circumstances and ramifications, Joseph obeyed God's plan. Matthew 1.24 says, When Joseph got up from sleeping, after, he had given, after, he had, after God had given him that dream and the angels appeared to him and saying that he was going to have um, a child and that he was going to name him Jesus, well, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. See, as a father, from that moment on, Joseph took care of his responsibilities as a husband and as a citizen, as a citizen of Rome. As a husband, he, he, we see that he married Mary and that he wasn't intimate with her. He respected her. He respected the fact that, okay, she's with child. But he took on that responsibility as a husband. And as a citizen, we also see in, in Luke chapter 2 that he traveled some distance with Mary to be registered. He, he was responsible in that way too. Now, despite the enormous challenges that confronted him, Joseph audaciously persevered until he found a place his wife could give birth. In other words, Joseph never wavered in the face of adversity. He kept searching, kept looking. He didn't give up. We, the story tells us that there was no room for him anywhere, for him and his wife to, to go and to have this baby. But did he give up? No, he just kept going. He never gave up until he found a room there at a, at a, people say it was an inn, people say it was a manger, but you know, there's different interpretations with that, but he found a place. The point is that he found a place for him, for his wife to give birth. When there was no room anywhere, he found room. Now after the birth of Jesus, Joseph demonstrated his love and commitment by doing what, he, what was necessary to protect his family. After being told in a dream that he needed to leave Bethlehem, he didn't hesitate and immediately did what he was told. So with nothing but the possessions they had with him, Joseph takes his family and they journey 75 miles south to Egypt's border. 
Joseph did what he had to do to protect what he loved. Although Jesus wasn't his biological child, he loved him as though he were. And this reminds us that in heaven, you have a father who loves you, who cares for you more than your earthly fathers. More than I can ever love my children. There's, we have a father in heaven who cares for you, who just wants the best for you, wants to bless you. He is there and he is our ultimate father. And he wants to do the same with you. He wants to just adopt you, take you as his own. So now let's look at the events through the eyes of Mary. Mary remained faithful and obedient through her own trials and difficulties. We see in this passage that Joseph initially struggled with the news Mary gave him. He didn't believe her story. Informing him of her pregnancy must have not only been heartbreaking for him, but absolutely unbelievable. How can you get pregnant by no other man? Imagine hearing that story. Imagine being told that like, by, your fian or by your future wife. What do you mean you're pregnant? Again, it must have just seemed completely unbelievable. But she knew that by telling him, she was not only risking losing a good man, but also a promising future and possibly her life as well. She knew that by telling him, she, he might accuse her of adultery. And we see in, in other biblical stories in the Gospels that women were stoned just for adultery. Then you have the issue of being misunderstood by her community. She probably lost a lot of friends and maybe even family members who put her to, to, who put her to shame just because she was obedient. She was rejected, scorned, had her integrity and purity doubted, and she was judged harshly for simply being obedient. Throughout this experience, Mary trusted and submitted to God and her husband. After the angel told her she would conceive and give birth to a son, Mary's response in Luke chapter 138, or Luke 1 verse 38 reveals her willingness to submit to God. There she says, I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. It also appears that Mary willfully submitted to her husband, Joseph. In the stories found in Matthew and Luke, nothing indicates that she argued or objected to any of the decisions he made during and after her birth. She could have been like, oh yeah, I'm pregnant with God's son, I'm out of here, I don't need you, Joseph. She could have just, you know, booked it. But no, she was like, this is gonna be my, this is my husband. I need to honor him. You see, she accepted her role as Joseph's wife because she understood that by honoring him, she was also honoring God. And Mary continued to believe that her yes was to the Almighty God and that this child would be worth it, worth it all. As Christians, we know that 
Mary was an important part of our faith story. But who she was birthing was the most important person of all. Our, for, our focus in this story is really about her son, Jesus. The next aspect of Jesus' birth we're going to look at was the signific- is the significance of his birth. Have you ever asked yourself, what would have happened if Jesus had never been born? Well, had he not been born, there would be no apostles, there would be no Christianity, and there would be no church. Let me read to you a passage Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, describing what his birth accomplished. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the, the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners of the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made no effect the law consisting of the commands expressing, expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. When the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows in a holy sanctuary in the Lord. This passage, not only only did God create a new body, he is creating a new building built upon the foundation of the message of the apostles and the prophets. And what is that message? That message is Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. But the building is not done. He has created a new man, but he is, a, but he is creating a new building. Why? Because he's growing, because it's growing. If Jesus hadn't been born, we wouldn't know what God is like. From the beginning of human history, we've been hungry to know who God is, and God revealed what he was like by sending his son. That's the reason Isaiah wrote that God became Emmanuel, God with us. Otherwise, God would have no face, no ears, no heart that we could understand. Because as Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he also said, I and the Father are one. 
If Jesus had not come on Christmas, we would have no knowledge of what God is like. We would not understand how he could, how he could identify with us and how we could relate to him. If Jesus hadn't been born, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Without the birth of Jesus, there is no perfect sacrifice for sin. If there is no sacrifice, there's no atonement. If there's no atonement, there's no forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, there's no fellowship with God. If there's no fellowship with God, there's no eternal life. But the good news is that Jesus was born and his birth was extraordinary. It was extraordinary because of all the Old Testament prophecies concerning his birth. Scholars estimate that there are between 15 to 20 Old Testament prophecies written just about his birth alone. Mathematically speaking, the odds of one person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in a quadrillion. It was extraordinary because Jesus was born according to God's perfect timing. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that, we could, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. You see, prior to Jesus' birth, God laid the foundation through the Jewish law to help people understand the depth of sinfulness so they could readily accept the cure for that sin through Jesus the Messiah. Jesus' birth was extraordinary because of everything that happened after that birth. Both Matthew and Luke tell us of the miraculous events that occurred when he was born. Everything from the host of angels pronouncing his birth to the wise men laying their gifts before him. Jesus' birth was a phenomenal event. I want to play for you a quick short video that illustrates the significance of his birth.
love that video because it's important events that happened during that time and it's just frozen in time. And again, it captures the wonder of his birth, the miracle of his birth. I wanted to share that with you so you can see. So you can see that. The final aspect of this story that I want us to consider is that Jesus' birth is God's greatest gift to mankind. God gave us the gift of his son. In the beginning of John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Before anything and everything was ever created, Jesus Christ existed with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So God... So God sending, sending Jesus to us in the way that he did showed us how much he loved us and how much he desired for us to know him. This is what John, John 3:16 and 17 is explaining to us. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his, only, his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So you see God's gift to humanity, his ultimate gift came not in a palace of gold, but in a stable clothed in rags, and resting, and resting comfortably in a feeding trough. Through His Son, God has given us get the gift of grace and the gift of forgiveness. The true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus stepped down from the glory of heaven to become man, endure all that, live, all that living in a broken world could throw at Him, and then pay the price for all the wrongs humanity has ever done. Romans chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The true meaning of Christmas is that because Jesus came to save people from their sins, all who put their trust in Him can be in a right relationship with God. We can enjoy a living, a meaningful and vibrant friendship with Him, culminating in everlasting life with Him in heaven. God gave us a gift that we didn't deserve. He gave us the gift of His Son when we were His enemies. He didn't give this gift to us because we deserve it. We deserved it. In fact, it was just the opposite. 
The Bible tells us, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before I end this morning's message, I want to take a moment to just again remind you of what Christmas is ultimately about. The core message of, of the Christmas story is that God was born into the world. Everything about Jesus' birth is, was intended to show us this fundamental truth. And because people have a difficult time grasping, grasping the reality that the Almighty God could be born as a baby, the true meaning of Christmas is overlooked. Rather than accepting it for the truth that it is, it's easier for people to ignore it or bury it underneath the modern-day distractions of Christmas. Yes, I agree that, being born as, that, that God being born as a baby is hard to fathom, but I believe and accept it, just as I believe God created Adam from the dust of the ground. You see, the Bible tells us that without forsaking his divine nature or diminishing his deity, he was born into our world as a tiny infant. This made him fully human with all the needs and emotions that are coming to us all. Yet he was also fully God, all wise and powerful. The real Christmas story is the story of God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. He did this because he loves us and knew that we, we needed a savior. He loved us because that's who he is. In John, in 1 John chapter 4, in verses 9 and 10, it says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, propiti the propitiation for our sins. Not only was Jesus God's greatest gift to us, but the most sacrificial thing he could, he could have possibly offered. Don't let that truth slip away from you as we celebrate Christmas with our friends, with our family, wherever you may be. Don't let that truth ever slip away from you. That God came down and was born as a baby. What an amazing story. What an amazing gift. The gift God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ, is free and available to anyone who asks for it. However, before it can be accepted, He desires two things from us. First, first God wants us to trust in His Son as Savior and Lord. We come to know Jesus through repenting of our sins and accepting Him as our personal sacrifice. God wants us to know Him, and we can only know Him through Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, I assure you, anyone who hears my words and believes Him who sent me 
has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. And second, God wants us to be conformed into the image of His Son. The Father wants all His children to be like Jesus. He brings situations into our lives to refine us, to chip away those flawed characteristics that keep us from becoming who, we, who He designed us to be. As Jesus was obedient to the Father in everything, so the goal of every child of God should be to obey our Heavenly Father. In 1 Peter chapter 1 it says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. The best gift you can give God on Christmas Day is the gift of your heart. 19th century poet Christina Rossetti wrote in a short poem, What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what could I give him? I will give him my heart. This was also the idea behind the famous Christmas classic, The Little Drummer Boy. If you know that song, if you're from, it's one of my favorite songs and, and depending on who's singing it and how it's sung, man, it chokes me up and, it, and it, it brings a tear to my eye because of what it means and what it's saying and how, how I can relate to it. You see, in between all the pa-rum-pa-pum-pums, the last half of the song says, little baby, I'm a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. Shall I pray for you on my, shall I play for you on my drum? I play the drum for him, so to honor him. Mary nodded. The ox and lamb, lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. He gave his heart out. He played his heart out. And that's what he desires from us. We may not have much. We may not have anything at all, but as long as we can give him our heart and just play for him and just devote ourselves to him, he knows. He knows when we're playing from, from deep within our heart. cares for you. He loves you. On this Christmas Eve service, let me ask you, have you offered to God what He desires the most from you? If not, will you? I don't know if there's anyone here or, or watching online or listening but if you would like to receive God's wonderful gift of love and forgiveness, and you're ready to offer your heart to Him, 
I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes and, and just pray this prayer from the sincerity, with all sincerity. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now I turn, my, turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, if, if you're, again, watching, listening, or if you prayed that, let us know. We'd like to hear about it and just share some information with you as well. And again, as we close here, don't forget what, this, what the real meaning of Christmas is. Yes, it's nice to to share, to, to give gifts, to receive gifts. But never forget the ultimate gift that was given to us. And that was God's Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning in all humbleness and ask you, May you search our hearts, Lord. And may you burn away all those impur impurities, everything that is getting in the way between having, between you and us, everything that's getting in the way of having a good relation, a good loving relationship with you. Show us, speak to, show us, Lord, by speaking to us and letting us know what we need to get rid of. And fill us with your spirit, Lord. We want to fall in love with you. Lord, as we go about our day on this Christmas Eve, may your truth shine forth. May the world Remember what you did on that night. May we worship you wherever we're at. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.